Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. This is always one of my... I don't know. I should. Probably, I can't say one of my favorite. Like one of my three favorite podcasts of the year because I, I can't help myself and I have no on about three times a year. Usually once, just like a you know a full length with Noel, and then uh, get one in at turkey during turkey season when I, I go down and Jonas and Jonas the swamp monster. If you remember that from this last year, <laughs> we had to dig, we had to revive those old pants, uh, for deer season this year. Those are his hunting pants. And we had to, I think we had to hose those things out and, and wash them a few times. <laughs> we got them back. Got them out of the, glad got, them, got them out of the pond. Yeah, there's still a, uh, light up Velcro shoe swimming around in that pond somewhere. And, uh, maybe we'll snag it during ice fishing some year, but, but, um, uh, yeah. So once during uh Turkey season, and then of course, uh, during, uh, deer season, usually get out Noel's way and, uh, then just, uh, regular, Hey, what's going on with Noel type of thing. And, uh, this year I think, well, last year we talked about, we talked about the incredible hunt for, um, I'm dropping, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, your three year hunt, stare down, stare down. That's right. It was yep. stare down and huh? Percy, yeah. right? Percy was Percy, yeah. That's it. Yep. Uh, two of Knowles' three Boone and Crockett eligible bucks in two years. And then the third <laughs> one just came this season already. And you still have, what, two tags in your pocket? Was that was that a landowner tag that you filled? No, it actually was my uh, just my Iowa deer tag. Okay. A statewide tag. And so it, you mentioned that. I didn't tell you this yet. I uh, asked if we could, you know, do the podcast a little bit later in the evening. It's November the 6th. And because I just came off, this is the first time I've ever been able to say this in my entire life. I just climbed out of a tree off of my own farm mm. and uh, got done hunting this evening. It was the very... My very first sit was really? on my own farm. Yeah. That's some discipline and, uh, right there, man. I would have thought you'd be on there, you know, 20 times by this point. Well, I had I had other prospects in other places. <laughs> and uh, it's not – we. it has been exactly what we thought it would be. Uh, and that probably going to be a better rut farm until we can get some uh, some big buck work done. Sure. And when I call big buck work is thickening up a, a spot or two and getting some stuff planted. Uh, we had to, we had to, uh, basically run a full crop this year mm. because we didn't close in time to do a whole bunch of food plotting and stuff. So we just sure. left it all crop ground. And, uh, anyway, there, it, it can hold deer we feel like, but, uh, I had other deer to hunt <laughs> other yep. places and, Sure enough, uh, last week of October and really the past like three days, um, had a shooter show up. So we're going to, we're going to try to get him. Can only hunt it on the North and I've only had one in like six days. 
so um, wow. that that I could hunt. Yeah, so it was barely a north, but I. How how was I, yeah I how was anyway. how was the movement tonight? I mean, it's pretty pretty warm in Iowa today. It's warm. I got out of the truck. It was seventy two uh, degrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, Were you hunting in shorts? It, oh man, very, very light. Which I froze last week. I was in Kansas, and <laughs> yeah. I actually I got home. My wife's gonna kill me. I got home and there's a pair of battery operated socks that came from Amazon today because my toes got so incredibly cold. Uh, <laughs> while, while I was in the blind in Kansas, I ordered these battery operated socks just to try. This is they ridiculous. Like the, I'm getting this. Yeah, they socks. have like the remote control. <laughs> they had the remote control. You could turn them up and down. It's like, it's care, like a man. sleep number bed for your feet. Yeah. <laughs> it has three settings. And so, uh, and and now it's 70 degrees but it was you know uh it's one of those deals kid where you know it's it's warm but it's the right time of year and so uh went and i think i saw i think i saw 10 deer tonight wow. that's awesome oh yeah i mean I, I didn't know what to expect we knew what we had on camera but uh three bucks uh two like one-year-old deer and then a three-year-old 10-point and a 120-inch kind of a deer. So, hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it was That's cool. Exciting. And they were all That's like, sit. dude, it's uh, they're all within 20 yards, you know, coming through <laughs> this little gap Tr- that we have. Your trigger finger so, was getting a little itchy, huh? I, well, just tense. There wasn't any wind or, you know, to conceal movement. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I was just like a bored the most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is it weird not having stare down, you know, to worry about this year? I mean, that's, has, that that whole farm has been weird this year. I've not hunted a single time on that farm, and that's been my bread and butter for six years. And I've wow. not been on it one time. Um, we we have had some EHD run mm-hmm. through. We found one of our real, oh, golly, one of our real promising up and comers found him dead. And, uh, I, I was looking for three or four bucks that I was really excited about seeing what they turned into this year. And only one of them showed up. Uh, and he's a homebody kind of like stare down. I, mm-hmm. I anticipate him being a very similar deer to hunt next year. That'll be fun. Uh, he'll be five next year. And, uh, you know, as they get older that to me, their cores shrink a little bit and they, yeah. They become the bully. Uh, so, yeah, just that whole farm's been funny. And uh, I've tried to do water and all the things to keep deer there, but uh, just, just that happened. Two, two weeks from now, we'll start seeing some new faces. And what my dream is, is that something big and nice will run through there and be like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's pretty nice. Nobody's here either. Why not we just yeah. stay? And <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah. I will stick around. So, so you kind of, from what, if I'm, if I'm understanding you, if I'm reading between the lines well here, you kind of believe in the theory, which I do for sure. Um, that for hunting larger bucks during the rut. Now this isn't, like a 100% all the time application here, but you stand to have a good opportunity for a run in with them during the later part of the rut. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. If you're bent on hunting 
hunting rut. And and to me, like people get yeah, real yeah, worked yeah. up. Yeah, I think I think October or late season is probably the <laughs> hey, best. Hey, you know time. me, man. <laughs> I'm a, oh, I'm an October. Oh yeah. If I had to pick a month, if I had to pick a month, I'm hunting October. Yeah, so um, here. Yep. No, no. So people get real worked up and, and whether it's, you know, us goons on TV or just magazines or whatever, you know, that magical day, November is here, the magical mm-hmm. month. We make, we like, we romanticize. <laughs> I was thinking November. of that this year. It's like all of a sudden November one uh, rolls around and like, oh, all my problems of not seeing yeah. any deer are over. Well, it's November I'm about one. To see, <laughs> about to see every deer in the woods. And <laughs> good. I mean, it don't get me wrong but um like to kill a really big big bucket like to me the odds go down mm, yeah um until you get later on in the months and they come back home mm. um older deer generally don't go quite as far i mean every deer has its own personality but uh older deer generally don't go quite as far so you can toward the end of the month to me kind of catch them coming back and becoming a little more not patternable but regular in your hunting areas and uh it narrows it down a little bit boy the field gets wide open <laughs> to me like that you know my favorite days to hunt are like the 13th through the 15th sure um that's but same, that's same. that's because i have one little spot on my farm where the i think it's um, in fact i know because she has a very distinguished and distinguished i was gonna i was gonna ask about mufasa mufasa that's it that's right (laughs) mufasa is gonna come into heat like on the 13th every every year so (laughs) is she still uh, around she's she's alive still yeah i got a picture of her last week because i had not seen her and uh she is she's still alive so she's got to be seven years old eight years old she's she's uh, so she's so uh old and smart she's like she sees her uh yearling go to drink out of an ehd cesspool just just like hoof slaps her right on the snout stay, away stay out me. of there we don't drink out of there <laughs> maybe she's one i was talking to my friend zach and he works with iowa dnr and, mm-hmm. and you've met zach yep uh so i guess he just shot EHD. a great buck yeah, he, he got a really nice deer this past uh past week. But I guess EHD deer, if they survive it, begin to build this great immunity to it mm. and it can become a hereditary immunity. Okay. Which is why you don't hear about so much EHD like down south. This is him talking. So because it's pretty much they've built this immunity to it. Now maybe new strands come through or yeah, or different oh, things oh. like that. He's, but He's like, once it runs through and some of these deer begin to lick it a little bit, uh, maybe your herd health actually strengthens. Yeah. I think, we, heard, I think the juries have talked about that some. And do you remember my uh, 2021 buck that I got in the early muzz? That was right after uh, yeah. you, me, and Jake were hanging out at our favorite haunt. Um, and uh, he was missing a toe or most of it, well, you know, part of his hoof, right? Of course, they don't really have toes, but it's kind of like missing a toe. He was missing half of his hoof on one side, and I think that is a symptom of having recovered from EHD. Um, Hoof problems. Yeah, like they're it causes their hoofs to become brittle, and, uh, you know, they can – 
kind of slough off part of that hoof. And so, yeah. I mean, maybe it was something else, you know, maybe he, he got it injured some other way, but, but, um, it was just like, just this little nub of hoof there, you know? And, and, uh, I kind of, I kind of think he might've survived EHD. Yeah. I don't claim to be an expert on that by any means. Um, I know that it's run through, uh, two, two farms of mine, uh, 2021. Mm-hmm. And then this year seems to have, it seems to have happened. No, no coincidence. We've been in a uh, massive drought though. For, yeah. This is going on year three, really. Yeah. I mean, it's just been, it's been brutal and we could sure use a lot of snow this year, which I yeah. never thought I'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not spoken like a true Mississippian right no. now. <laughs> I, I won't be here. I won't be down south, but like, y'all could use a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, I heard something pretty alarming. And I know this is a, this is a uh, hot button topic, but um, it is believed based on current, climate models of what we're seeing now and the changes we've seen in recent decades um that by the year 2100 iowa is projected to have a climate that is basically the same as oklahoma right now and you know that i mean these droughts they just keep stacking up year after year after year and what's kind of been very alarming to me especially within the industry that i work the prairie industry is we're at a point where we're seeing some of the deepest rooted prairie plants like this isn't just coming from hoxie this is coming from university of northern iowa where they have all their test plots um they raise they university of northern iowa Tallgrass prairie center raises a lot of seed um they kind of okay. almost keep genetic lines alive off of remnant prairies. Wow. And they saw it this year. They had such a severe drought that they saw wilting in compass plant, which compass plant, I believe, has the deepest root system of all prairie plants, even deeper than big blue stem. And big blue stem goes down to like, you know, if it's got enough topsoil, uh, it'll it'll send roots down 12 plus feet deep. And the, so these compass plants, there's, they can send roots down, you know, 15 plus feet deep. Wow. And so, you know, think of the moisture that they have access to and those plants are starting to wilt during these, these droughts, you know, let alone a lot of them, you know, the vast majority of plants that serve as forage for our, herbivorous you know wildlife Mm. uh they're going to be much more shallow rooted and you know that's let alone our economy here right which you know we can have we can genetically engineer things to be drought tolerant however they got to have some water you know at some point yeah yeah and so it is it is kind of scary to see these droughts piling up and what does that mean for our deer herd too you know I'll tell you what I have observed uh, for the deer herd just in the short term from 21 till now. This year in particular, I and several of my close friends 
who are kind of able to keep track of some of the same mm-hmm. deer from year to year. Just, yeah. I mean, you know, you can't guarantee it's the same deer, but he looks a whole lot like he did last year. <laughs> right. Uh, and has similar traits and different things. This year is the worst year of antler growth I've ever seen mm. in, in, in eight seasons of hunting Iowa. Hmm. As far as um, deer making the magical jump, you know, from one year to the other. Yeah. I was, I had a four year old 10 point on my farm. He could have been three. He could have been a big body three year old. Nevertheless, 140 inch deer last year, very distinct G2s, G3s. I'm, I'm almost bet the house that mm-hmm. it's the same deer. I don't think he grew an inch. And Whoa. I was really looking forward to seeing how how much he could put on this year. Um, I have that. You, you, I'm, I've told you about a deer I call YY. He, yeah. Uh, yeah. 160 inch three year old last year. I thought, boy, we're going to have to put a bag over his head this year to keep somebody <laughs> from shooting and let him get to five. Yeah. And I th- I think he went backwards uh, as to four. And and I. Uh, J- Jaden is a that's crazy that we name all these deer but <laughs> <laughs> he is an eight point uh jump from three to four he's the only deer that i had make a jump hmm. uh of any significance that's crazy and uh that, that i kept up with now clearly there are some giants across you know the county from me had a good friend who was hunting a, a, a monster like a legitimate giant mm-hmm and uh and the, that deer went backwards this year he's still yeah. nice and impressive and you're still gonna hunt him and shoot him right but, but we're thinking oh he's gonna blow out 200 this year and and uh because he was close to it last year and he didn't he didn't even get close yeah um so and and you know maybe it's all coincidental but i have a hard time thinking it is yeah yeah i'm i'm right there with you man it's and i've kind of had that thought too um, because this the, hasn't just been a one-year thing. It's not like oh, right, yeah, you have tough. years of data. This is no, no, well, even the drought though. We're talking of this is a couple of years that we've yeah. been well below, uh, the the water that's needed, yeah, and uh, for for sustaining life. And I mean, when creeks are dried up, that I I killed a deer this year on a traditional little honey hole. And when I first started hunting there, I have two or three years of video of me filming wood ducks floating down this creek. Hmm. And, and listen, it is powder dry and hmm. it has been for two years, right? By now. And Man. so, uh, I've, I mean, <laughs> it's just, uh, when, when water dries up, that's a necessity to live, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've had a similar observation with the, so we have a major creek that runs through our farm that I have never seen. I mean, I've seen it low, but I've never seen it dry. Thankfully it didn't go dry this year. However, we have another, uh, kind of ditch Creek that almost always had water in it when I was growing up, you know? And in fact, here's proof how often this thing had water in it. Um, the uh, uh, Rock Island Railroad, when it was still in existence, built a 
railroad bridge or trestle over this ditch creek thing uh, during the Civil War or right before the Civil War. It's still, oh, on, wow. still on the farm. And um, so obviously they were they were navigating around this stream. They didn't just, you know, load up a, you know, because they, they built a berm, you know, to set the tracks on where there, there wasn't a creek. So they didn't just extend the berm. Oh, there's a low part there. Let's just fill it in with dirt. Obviously they, they needed to allow the passage of water through there. And that's been there. We did get a good fall rain uh, for a couple days in in October, and it, it filled up then. But other than that, it had been so dry. I was I was crawling on it. My hands and knees is a good access pathway, and uh, almost <laughs> almost got a buck that night because of that. But hey. but uh, <laughs> the the uh, but the point being, you know, that that bridge has been there for 160 years, and it doesn't need to be there now. You know, most oh, most of the time because there's. There's not water under it anymore. It's incredible. And, and, uh, yeah. And that whole, that whole ditch basically since I've been bow hunting, which I really started bow hunting like, uh, more than just trying, I was trying to get a rebound shot at a buck that I missed during the early muzzleloader season in 2019. But in 2020, I really had dedicated myself to, to bow, to bow hunting and since 2020, that that ditch has just become grown over with grass, and yeah. and uh, yeah, it's been it's been very dry for for years now. It's a it's a concerning pattern, and it is interesting how that's going to you know play out with whitetails. It'll be interesting to see how it affects um, uh, Boone and Crockett entries. Yeah. You know, I think we'll have some interesting places to look for data. And also this whole conversation is a good example of why we as hunters um, need to keep our eyes open and keep looking around at the natural world around us. There's so much more to see out there than just deer. Um, yeah. But but uh, all of it can help give us an understanding of, you know, how things are, are, are doing. And uh, Noel and I are brothers in Christ, we, we, uh, understand well, the first job God gave to Adam, take care of the garden and, uh, we should care about these things and, and, uh, you know, uh, try and be good stewards of, of, uh, these wild places that we have and that we love so much and that we depend on for all that we love doing, you know, and, well, and you mentioned wild places, like, even being out on our little tiny place today and, and the, the deer I shot a couple of weeks ago on ground that wasn't mine, you know, it's just permission ground, but I went in to look for the deer in a place I've never stepped foot in, you mm. know, but we had to go to, retreat. I love doing that. Dude, you talk about just like monster trees and different things. It, it's far enough to look around and say, this is awesome. Yeah. How do you not want to care for it? Take, take, take good care of it and introduce your kids yep. to it. And I was, my family, well, my son, Charlie and my wife and I went to Alaska. That's um, right. Yeah. In, in May and creation is incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just Amen. It's no way to describe it. It's just incredible. You want to take care of things and have it to enjoy the thing about the drought and, 
and you know what the world will look like is like you said mentioned and we're brothers in christ and the the hope that we have is even though things change and are very very difficult and trials come and tribulation happens and stuff just can downright stink sometimes is our hope is not in the things of this world yep yeah. and it's in christ and he knows exactly what's going on because he created it that's right so we can get worked up about creation but if we forget the creator we've forgotten it all that's right and so that would be my encouragement. I did not mean to preach. Forgive me. But that's <laughs> no, just... <laughs> that was good. That's good. That's good to hear that. Preacher going to preach, baby. Preacher that's preach. right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But that's not the only thing you do. You're, you've got to be quite good at, uh, I think when we started this call, uh, I asked you to, to say something to make sure you're still coming through on my uh on my output for the podcast <laughs> and i was like I, I beat you too i was like my name's noel gandy and i schlock giant bucks and that's what you've been doing buddy you your words not mine, words, not mine. <laughs> well boone and crockett <laughs> agrees with me um i didn't even hear this buck what what was his official name this year <laughs> why we named these things <laughs> <laughs> so, is this like one of those times where you uh your buddy chooses your password for you and you uh yeah, kind of, you have you have trouble of, with the password and you got to call like customer service sharpie written across your forehead uh leroy the redneck reindeer and oh we call him yeah that's right leroy i saw for that short. yep yeah we call him leroy for short the reason being when he starts putting his antlers on in the summer he had this deformity and uh my family saw it and i'm like that's a weird looking deal with a deer and uh i said it was like a caribou and it really does the <laughs> yeah. one side it, i mean and Very i looked palmated. up pictures yeah i looked up pictures of a caribou and it looks exactly like a caribou uh on, on the one side and so another uh so, you know so the friend my, my kids want to come like Sven and things like that. Oh, off yeah, of yeah. Frozen. I'm like, I can't say that on TV. Sven's <laughs> coming. You know, <laughs> everything that we say, you have to like say it out loud. <laughs> nah, that's like not quite cool enough. <laughs> like if I'm talking to a cameraman, like Sven's coming through the train. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And okay. So, uh, I have this such a thick Southern accent anyway, and. uh I'm a big, you know, I'm a big country music fan from way back. And old, old Joe Diffie wrote one called Leroy the Redneck Reindeer back in the, <laughs> back in, in the day. And uh, a, a reindeer is another uh, type of caribou, I suppose. Yep. He looked like a goofy. I said, that's like, <laughs> I think the conversation went something like, that's the most redneck looking deer I've ever seen. He just <laughs> doesn't look. And uh, it just came across my wife despised it and so that became his name immediately <laughs> oh man yeah Leroy I, I, for sure <laughs> yep Leroy oh, yeah that was it yep that's that's awesome and uh, that year was wild though man I thought I knew him uh, and I thought you know he's hurt somehow or another he's made this deformity and I thought it was an eight-year-old deer seven eight-year-old deer whoa but we ended up when a guy in he had all of his teeth he looked really good and uh figured he was about five and i went back through pictures for last year which i've not been on this farm much because of the aforementioned stare down i spent so much yeah. time hunting a different part of the county um 
I've not, I didn't go to that farm a whole, whole lot, but I went back through last year's pictures and I, I think I found him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it would have been a four year old last year. And he had that same really cool, like this huge palmated brow time coming up. And he had two good sides last year. Okay. Uh, so did you, did you, both uh, good sides. did you first see him from the stand this year or did you get him on camera right before season? No, I followed him all summer uh, from, I say all summer. I don't guess I got out there until mid-late August. Um, Just glassed him up or? No, I have a couple of places on that farm where I'll go and and do a little feed. And uh, it's where deer kind of want to be. And Mm -hmm. it's it's tough to get to, man. You have to hoof it in. It's standing crop. So you go and. Put out your little feed and your camera, and that kind of gets them acclimated to walking that trail. When the feed's gone, it's just a natural thing. So by September, it was it was just natural movement. He was very regular. I put up two cameras though, and they're about a mile apart, or you know, three quarters of a mile. And I was getting him on both of them during the summer. Oh wow! And so that dude was moving, and yeah. it's not a straight line. It was not close. Like it wasn't you know, on one, one end of the ditch and he's on the other end, he's like yeah, walking right. around. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, no, before we, we went in to kill that deer just because he had been getting closer and closer to daylight coming out to, okay, it's, it's a standing field and a cut field in 2019. This farmer did the same thing. He cut the end rows of the corn Okay, and he yeah. left, he left, uh, kind of the, the middle and so okay. er, early october mid-october these deer were coming out and feeding where it was cut but mm-hmm. there was still standing and he was like 11 o'clock one night and then nine o'clock the next night and then eight you know 15 the next night yeah um told my buddy lance i, was, I think we go kill that deer tonight and yep. uh here's the conversation like I think I can kill that deer. I don't really want to shoot him because I only thought he was like 150 inch deer, 155. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and he, there was actually a giant on that farm. Um, but I'd only seen him once and we've been waiting for a giant on another farm to show up and he just hadn't shown up. And I said, here's what we'll do. I'll go and take, I'll, I'll take one for the team. And I'll shoot the 150 inch deer and I'll, I'll camera boy the rest of the, you know, the rest of the year for you guys. Cause they gave my two buddies that film with me gave up so much of their season last year to help me. Yeah. And I said, I'll go get done. You know, I, I like shooting them in October anyway. Yeah. And, and that deer comes, starts coming through the woods. <laughs> and I said, dude, there's Leroy. And he is huge. <laughs> and the monster, man. You're so big. I only thought he had like five inch bases and, you know, it was oh, you know, massive. 22 inch main beams and, you know, eight, nine or 10 inches. And he ends up having eight inch bases. Oh, and uh, he had, can't, he had 40 inches of mass. All oh, right. So, good. and he, and he had 30 inches of brow time. Whoa. So, <laughs> that's uh, insane. Yeah. It's it's you cannot appreciate that deer without 
seeing him without yeah. fit, holding it. It I held I had stare downs rack. Um because it's not been taxidermied yet. So I had the rack and I held Leroy's up next to it. And it's is I almost wish that deer could be scored by like water, water displacement dis- I was or something. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good candidate for water displacement. Yeah, because it I mean it is just enormous. And I I justice. bet it was yeah, I mean, just scoring doesn't do a thing for it. So he's, yeah. he's impressive. He ended up being like you know, 77. So I've never, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but it's, it's interesting to illustrate your point. Deer like Leroy, I don't know how you could quantify it. You, you couldn't, right? Unless you maybe had like some kind of survey you gave to a bunch of unbiased uh people to 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 take but <clears throat> Leroy reminds me of the buck that my uh good friend Weston uh killed back in 2021 um during the the gun one season here in in Iowa it grossed i want to say 203 or 204 just a you know Ooh. just a lifetime deer right and 10 one in 10 lifetime deer you know and unless you're like don higgins or something you know then it's just tuesday but <laughs> but uh tuesday <laughs> but uh you know just a giant and so he took it to the iowa deer classic and of course you know how that goes they they measure bucks uh, based on the method of take, right? For the year, you have mm-hmm. you have an archery. They have a youth. They have an archery. They have um, a muzzleloader, and then just a firearm, right? Mm-hmm. I think are the, aren't those the categories? I think ladies, yeah, versions yeah, of all that. Yeah, and so he enters it for the firearm, and because it was like Leroy, where he had just crazy mass but all this extra like trash you know everywhere Mm. it it went down to a he had 21 inches that's what it was it was a 203 he had 21 inches of deductions knocked it down to a 182 and another guy who shot a really nice buck i don't want to take anything away from this guy um his was a 197 gross but only lost 10 inches on deductions. He takes first because they go by net score. And it was, you just looked at the two deer and Weston's buck was just so much more impressive. Yeah. And what was interesting was trophy bucks of Iowa, they weren't trying to throw anybody shade or anything like that. I don't want to attach anything like that to them. They videoed it because it was such a giant you know, yeah, these two giant bucks. They took like a thirty-minute video of the the deer being scored, and then they you know hung them up back on the wall, and they're they're just like, okay, so here's the here's the second place buck, Weston Chess. Wow, look at that thing! You know, just a just an incredible deer. And then they go, and here's first place. Okay, back to the second place buck. Just look at the, you know, it was like that needs to be quantifiable somehow. Like that impression of just 
whoa, you know, what am I looking at right now? You know, Man. like that is worth something. And I think the closest thing you can get to it is the water displacement. Yeah. Um, it, I, there's just, you. there's just some things where you just look at it. My dad used to say this. I used to watch uh, UFC fights with my dad when I was like in college. And, and uh, we were watching this fight and uh, this guy was just getting absolutely pummeled. But he wasn't getting knocked out. He was like staying in the fight, and he went the distance. And so both guys are standing there. They're you know announcing the the score cards for for the fight. And my dad's like, I think they should just go by who looks like they got the living daylights beat out of them. <laughs> you know, the guy who's bleeding from every orifice, he loses, and the guy who isn't wins. You know, it's the least like, hurt. Yeah, it's just like what is that that. that that factor that's just like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that's how they should like, man, Leroy is just a, an incredible buck. And it's interesting too. Then when you compare him, how does he compare to Percy? Cause Percy was more like Leroy, wasn't he? He had a little bit more stare down was very typical. Wasn't he? And his, and his, yeah, well, they, they were both super clean. It's funny. Uh, I just got Percy back this week and, uh, he had been in Mississippi. Okay. Being, being mounted and my parent my mom and my brother came up and brought him back to me this week so i've got oh, to take a good awesome. long look at him and i actually he's i hung him um next to the first booner i ever killed mm-hmm. uh 171 and some change 10 point from kansas and you talk about perfect there is real clean He's like ten, uh, like an inch and some change deduction wow. from him, wow. and uh, it, it's mostly a mass deduction because he had a point growing in between two points, and it broke off. So it just it just made it a bigger okay. mass measurement. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. He dwarfs Percy, <laughs> really, and uh, yeah, but Percy's he's his rack is so compact. He had yeah. incredible beams. He had 25-inch main beams that almost oh. crossed on the front. And he had, like, 12-inch twos and 11-inch threes. And wow. It, but it's so tight uh, that the other deer – it's the same thing. He looks way more impressive. Yeah. Uh, but, no, Percy, he has split brow tines. That's the only thing that was that was kind of unique about him. Um, yeah. so yeah, but he <laughs> cool, cool deer. It's funny talking about measuring things. I'm almost over it, but I'm not cause I still measure them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when uh, you shoot something big enough. You just kind of want to know, is it? Is yeah. It you want to know and, uh, yeah, for sure. But you know, nobody asked me, but if they did, I would say, let's take away s- measurement for spread and then not deduct. Because mm. why would you deduct a deer for having more points or right. having like God God let him grow that? You should yeah. you should be counting. <laughs> right. right. But but to me, spread is the hardest thing to get right. And so Yeah, I agree. I think that's almost arbitrary, you know. Uh, well you measure you measure both beams and so you're getting measurements for if he's super wide, it's gonna have a little better yeah. main beam you know so uh why measure air <laughs> yeah right yeah that's true 
That's that's a good. Ah, I like that. Why measure error? That's good. That's good. Maybe and, Bump Masters coined that. I can't remember. They have their own measuring, you know, system or whatever. It's a, but. it's a good point. And then, like, what do you do where you see like a guy who uh, I like to call them menorah bucks, you know, where they have like all those antlers that are like they're like the same length but they have the super wide <laughs> spread you know like they're growing like out of the texas side or of the... texas or mexico kind of yeah deal. like the mitch rumpala buck you know yeah, that's it the, yeah they're just like way out here you know oh that that'd be one of those 38 inch spread on that bad boy <laughs> or or infinite spread you know they're just growing straight out of the... <laughs> yeah he never really comes back in so just it's, <laughs> it's infinity yeah <laughs> but i tell uh, you what they they do beef up a score though the old spread does so. <laughs> oh yeah it does yes it does but so yeah three awesome bucks uh have you did you get stare down and percy officially scored and everything no no we uh I've kind of taken a stance against official scores, nothing against anyone who does it, but, uh, you know, kill three really big bucks, really close together mm -hmm. <laughs> in location. And when things are officially scored, they tend to put down the location yeah, of, that's right. uh, of yep. nothing else at the County. And, uh, yep. can't, you know, this cause you live in Iowa, certainly your, your, all your listeners don't, but, um, I think there are way more Boone and Crockett deer that get killed that don't get officially yes. scored than do. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so my friends and I have, we've decided we're not entering anything yeah. <laughs> unless it's like world record status. And then we'll talk about it. That's right. And don't have any of those on, uh, on tap. Now, if I go to Kansas, yeah, we might officially enter that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> But, yep, that's right. You guys uh, go hunt Kansas all you want. Yeah, no, that's we're going to Oklahoma. Of, we'll we'll do uh, it. Yeah, there you go. That's kind of been an interesting thing from what I've gathered hunting in Kansas over the last several years. Um, you've talked about this before. On, I think it might have been the first time you were on the podcast. You talked about wasn't it twenty twenty that you didn't draw for the first time ever, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh. So word's gotten out on Kansas. A lot of people go there. Yeah. Um, I've advertised this episode before, and I need to get Skip on the podcast. It's just not going to happen during hunting season, people. If I got a free moment <laughs> to drive down and go see Skip, I got a free moment to be in the, the tree stand. And so maybe this winter I'll get uh, – I'll get Skip on this show. But we interviewed him on the Prairie Farm podcast, the other podcast I host for work. And we – we we talked about why Iowa is the quote unquote whitetail state. Yep. And um Iowa just well, I was just talking with Caleb tonight. He's like, we're talking about our hunting plans coming up this week. And he's like, I think I'm gonna be going to to Illinois here very soon because I wanna get there before um their gun season starts yep. which is during the rut it's during yep. during uh let's see the weekend b before thanksgiving right and then the weekend after thanksgiving those two weekends are the gun seasons in in illinois and everybody gets to hunt both since they're you know just limited to the weekend 
So his point is, you know, if he wants if he wants his best chance at a big buck, he's obviously got to get in there before um, the gun season happens. And that's a very real problem for holding on to big bucks if you have gun seasons going on when big bucks are running everywhere. Ask Illinois, just ask Missouri, just ask Nebraska. Indiana. And, yeah, all right. right in and, and Kansas uh, as well, right? Oklahoma runs a muzzleloader season. Uh, yeah, it and just, that's, it and that's just wrapped up. Yeah, it just wrapped up. And it's just it's short. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a bunch of friends in Oklahoma that kills them more really big deer. Yeah, uh, every single year. And yeah. then to bait on top of it, they're you know baiting's legal. And that's the yeah, that's the other thing in Kansas too, right? Is baiting during mm-hmm. the season. And yeah, yeah. And I heard a great point the other day where somebody said, um, I think this was on. Uh, I think I just saw it on a reel on Instagram. I think it's the Hunter podcast. They've been gaining some traction here. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about the reality of baiting in a state where you're allowed to bait. If you choose not to bait, you are severely disadvantaging yourself because <laughs> the deer know where to eat. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And, and yeah. You know, if you're choosing not to to give them a place to eat, then you're kind of. I don't know. I can I can see. I mean, we, we bait and, uh, Hey, I'm like my buddy, Travis Turner, if you ain't baiting, you're waiting, right? Yeah. Uh, baiting Kansas. I want, oh, let me, yeah, yeah, not, not Iowa, Kansas, yeah. not Iowa. Uh, but like I was down last week and saw the last hunt. Gosh, I saw eight or 10 deer hmm. and not a single one of them came to feed. Wow. Uh, you you still have to hunt deer, yeah. And I th- I think I could still go and kill deer without bait. Uh, it all depends on the ground that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's like Iowa. If all you've got is yeah. crop field, then you gonna have a tougher time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Getting in bow range, but I mean, if you have <laughs> a little timber, which Kansas is much like Iowa is very diverse from top to bottom, east to west, mm-hmm. and so uh, you would almost have to zone. I can only speak for Kansas, but you'd almost have to put it into quads and uh, you could, you know, to treat it differently if you were going to sure. limit baiting all the way around. Uh, I, you've had some great guests. I know Skip has been a wealth of knowledge and is a great advocate for especially archery in Iowa and oh, uh, yeah. was well-versed in, in a lot of different things. I've enjoyed, I don't know him, but I've enjoyed following him. Yeah. Well, that's another thing too is just, and this is starting to pick up heat again, um, the crossbow debate. And mm-hmm. admittedly, I have evolved in my thought process on crossbows um, since I first started this podcast. At first, my attitude was the more the merrier, right? Get more people out there hunting, we're all better off. And I still think some of that, like I still think there's a thread of truth within that principle however if your if your state's objective is to have the biggest baddest whitetails around you cannot like it's very clear there, there's data there to to show this you can't have both things you can't yep. have 
everybody gets to use a crossbow whenever they want. Um, and then have the standard for where you go to have the best age class. Yep. Uh, availability there for deer and skip has fought tooth and nail to keep Iowa as a vertical bow during the archery season state during the archery season. That's the thing I I was talking to a friend and and I don't want, I I tend to lean more with him Mm -hmm. Uh, during the, do whatever you want to during the gun season. I'm, yep. I'm even decent with it during the late season. Sure. I mean, it's so hard to get close to a big deer late. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine back in Mississippi. He's like, hey, he's very, very proud. I'm, I'm tickled for him. His son killed a great buck with a crossbow. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, he got his first archery kill, his first bow kill. And I was like, he said, I told him to put it on the, second dot in the scope and i thought you to me you cannot marry those two things the scope <laughs> and a bow kill yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just hard for me to <laughs> to swallow <laughs> yeah, I, no, I hear he, put, he held the scope on him and killed his first bow kill i thought man uh which again i, I want to be careful because well, and it's a kid too, you know. It's you don't want to you don't want to deflate someone either who's right, into right. hunting. But a hundred percent agree. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Uh, if, we, if we want hunter retention, um, you know, opening up some new avenues. I don't know that that's the one though. Um, there yeah. are other ways to incorporate incorporate uh, kids or ladies or even you know the men adults. Um, who have never hunted um, yeah. than just saying we're going to open it up for longer or yeah I don't know it's, I, been, it's been working for a very long time it's been working well for a very long time I, um, I feel like hunter numbers are why do we want more hunter numbers uh, who who pushes that is people trying to sell something <laughs> right yeah, they, there's, yeah there's a there's a fair point there too a, a, yeah. a thread of truth to it you know yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think there's, I think there's arguments too, for, you know, from a conservation standpoint, I, I firmly believe that ethical hunters make for, I don't think, I don't buy into the thing that all hunters are conservationists. I, I, you know. I remember that was that buzz phrase was going around five years ago. Yeah. Hunters are conservationists. Not true. Uh, no, uh, at least. Um, hunters may contribute towards conservation um, by killing a doe, but then does that make uh, automobile operators conservationists? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, the yeah, you got the license fees, but does twenty eight fifty make a big difference or thirty two fifty, whatever it is now? Uh, you know, for a deer tag, I don't know. Uh, but that being said, I think ethical hunters who take up an interest in conservation issues make for the best conservationists because I I think they understand the, the land in a deeper way. Ooh, could this step on toes, but I'm not worried about it on a hunting podcast. Um, (laughs) uh, 
I just, I don't, I cannot be convinced. And I have spent a lot of time thinking about this. And I've spent a lot of time wearing the hats of pretty much every other position there is uh, because of what my job is and who I rub shoulders with. Um, of anyone else who spends significant time on the land, I just don't think there's anyone who connects to that land as deeply as what hunters do. You just, it's a, it's a different thing to be out there and truly playing a active role, an intentional role, not this detached, like, yeah, technically I'm involved in the, the energy and matter cycling of this ecosystem. No, no, no. You're stepping out there as a, as a apex predator trying to get food, you know, trying to get, trying, trying to participate, right. You have to, you just, you just become more in tune or you don't get anything, at least not regularly. Um, and, uh, so I just, you know, bird watchers. Awesome. I think they're deeply connected to the land. It's just different when you can't, you know, when you, that arrow's released, you are on, you are on the hook for a whole lot of work and a whole lot of effort that that comes, you know, whether it's yeah. following a cold blood trail or, or, uh, you know, harvesting the animal, breaking it down and, and all the work that goes into that, you know, there's in fishing, you can't throw it back like fishing. If it's not big yeah. enough, you can't throw it back. If it's, you know, I think trapping, you could say, is on the same line as as hunting. I, I kind of equate those things. I know they're not yeah. the same thing, but but it's it's a form of hunting, really. And uh, you know, hiking, man, hiking's like window shopping in nature. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, you're not committed, man. <laughs> you know, like uh, I just think it's uh, it's a deeper <laughs> thing. Would you agree with that? I do. Uh, I, I, I totally agree also with what you said that all hunters aren't conservationists. There are some who are, you know, they're bloodthirsty or, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's so wrong. Yeah. so wrong. It's still living, you know, living beings that we are, yeah. Yeah. we're t- attempting to take their life. And, yeah. uh, I believe that there needs to be some care there. But I also think that the greatest conservationists are likely, likely hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would, you know, stand a wager. But, um, I, I was thinking a lot about what we were just talking there. Even, I want to be very careful that people don't get, get hurt over, you know, someone's preference for a crossbow or not, or yeah, hunter yeah. retention or not. I, I totally. I think that if more people, even if they don't like hunting, but if more people were exposed to the outdoors, even if it is through something like hiking or bird watching or, or things like that, that don't that don't appeal to me, but if it might appeal to someone, I believe we would have a greater respect for the outdoors and, and, and creation. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that it would benefit everyone, honestly. Mm-hmm because I'm afraid what would is going to happen is that respect is not given then it's going to become easier and easier to take some of these natural and wild places away. Mm. Uh, right now our States yep. do a, a good job. I feel like of preserving some things and, you know, thank the Lord for Teddy Roosevelt and, and yeah, uh, people right. like him who, 
yep. had foresight uh, yep. to, to me to try to preserve some things. Um, gosh, I, I think that it's, 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 it's good for people to be outside. Absolutely. It's really good for people to be outside and, uh, you don't have to be granola to be outside. Right. I mean, That's you right. can, yeah. you can just enjoy it. Um, anyway, it's easy to get off track too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's just fun. This is, it's, it's an open long form communication and it's fun to develop these ideas and, and yeah, you know, and you know what, for States that have, that you know the Illinois, the Indianas, the Missouris. Uh, does Kansas allow crossbows for everyone? Is yep. that door? So okay. I, so. I, I, I you know I say that. Uh, I know they allow the, the baiting, two, the, but the two people that I know that use them are both <laughs> eligible to use them. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I gotcha. think well, either elderly or injured. So maybe, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm right though that they can. Oklahoma does. Uh, Wisconsin as well. Um, Wisconsin is, is open up for crossbows, I believe during archery season. And, um, I don't, I'm not saying that those States should take them away, should take, you know, should, should do away with that. All where I think Noel and I are saying here is if you want to, if you want to have the consistent opportunity for a four and a half year old or older buck those two things can't go together just as boomsticks during the rut can't go together and just as anyone from anywhere can come into a state and and get a get a deer tag you know over the counter deer tag whenever and Iowa has blocked all three of those things from happening here and that's why Iowa is is the place the place to beat when it comes to especially archery whitetail opportunities. And um, you know, I think you, a good like little gauge for that, kind of like the uh, we want to quantify the wow factor for a giant buck, um, is how much complaining comes from non-residents when they want to hunt your state. If that if that man, it is so hard to get in there. Like you know who else has that? that um uh that reputation is uh nevada and i've heard i've heard many times how what great of a job the state of nevada does at managing their wildlife opportunities for hunters there and for resident hunters and um so if you're hearing complaints oh it's so hard to get it that means your your state's probably doing well by you as a resident for protecting your uh, your opportunities, but no, it's well, there's, a, there, there's a great way to get three Iowa tags a year, man, and that is to move here and buy land. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> know any good uh, uh, realtors, by the way, Noel? <laughs> I don't know any. <laughs> I don't know any. Call uh, me. Call yeah. me Iowa. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, let's uh, as we wrap this one up, let's talk a little bit about you. Gave us a little sneak peek on. You haven't been able to do a lot of the big buck work yet, but I know you have some plans in place. Um, Is it just weird? Like you pinch yourself sometimes when you think about the fact that you are a landowning Iowan. I pinch myself and then I, uh, about the fifth of every month, I get slapped in the face when the uh, note (laughs) comes out. So it's a pinch and a slap. 
Yep. That's <laughs> In right. fact, when I when I left this afternoon, it was it was a hoot. Uh, my wife was she works from home as a travel agent. She was sitting here working, and I was all dressed up in my camo. You know, I said I'm out. I said for the very first time, I'm going to tell you I'm headed out. And of course, she cut me off and was like, to Hunter only. And we know, <laughs> you know, she's, <laughs> I say, you ruined it. You know, I didn't even get to say it. So she let me say it, headed out to hunt our farm. And then I said, and when I mean our farm, I mean mine and yours and Lance and Ashley and First State Bank. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All of our farm. <laughs> That's right. I, did, I, I went in with my friend Lance. We bought it together. Yep. Um, I remember so that. It, <laughs> Yeah, so it's mine and, and the bank and everyone else's. <laughs> yep, but still, it's cool though, I mean, man. It's yeah. It, it, to answer your question, though, it's it's very very surreal. Um, I grew up on on family ground, you know, that belonged mm-hmm. to the Gandys, and it certainly, you know, I'm sure it will belong to me, you know, in the in the future. And I actually have ground in Mississippi. Uh, believe it or not. Oh, I really? I have 80 acres in Mississippi that I've never hunted. Um, really? Yeah, I'm going to go scout it during Thanksgiving and hopefully hunt it during Christmas. Um, nice. When did you buy that? Yeah. Uh, I got that. I got a hold of that last year. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's butts up to the family place. And so we tried to snatch it up when we could. That's um, awesome. So, yeah. Uh, but I'd still, even then, I've never hunted it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to leave Iowa to go to Mississippi to hunt. And so, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you uh, tag out fast enough in Iowa, you know, then just to extend your season at that point. I will say, last year, Ken, I felt like I got my teeth kicked in hunting. Yeah. And uh, there was such an enormous weight that I did not know was there that was lifted off on October 21st hmm. whenever I, whenever I got that deer. So, yeah. um, it is, it's been very freeing. I've missed, I've spent a lot of time in Kansas. I've hunted there more than I've hunted Iowa. I only hunted Iowa three times. Wow. Um, I've hunted Kansas ooh, <laughs> eight times, maybe eight days. Wow. Uh, but I'm hunting a giant down there. So I'm kind of putting time in for him. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. That is, that is a real part of it is that pressure. And, and, uh, for, for us, like that's our main thing. That's our main source of protein for the year, you know, is, mm-hmm. is me getting a deer. And so yep. it felt really good when I shot my doe a week ago. Like I instantly, when I watched her drop, I, I felt that weight release like okay now it's now it's mostly for like the uh because i need because i have to do this (laughs) you know because of the way my brain is and my my emotions are set up and my interests and what what you know makes me feel like who i am uh, that's why I'm going to be out here for the rest of the season. Not because my family's got to eat, you know, although we really yeah. could use an- another deer. So hopefully uh, I'll be able to be able to accomplish that. You know, I have three tags left. Essentially. I have, I have my, uh, buck tag for archery here in Iowa. Then I have, I'm, I'm going to hunt the, the Noel Gandy special this year, the late Muzz. And, uh, 
I'm going to do, um, uh, Caleb and I were going to Nebraska and we're going to hunt, uh, the muzzleloader season in Nebraska for, and hopefully we'll, uh, be able to get a couple of mule deer out there. And so, um, you know, that side of it is like the pressure, the weight of my family is depending on this, that weight I really felt coming. Plus, I mean, there's just part of it too, like, as much as we we want to pretend that this doesn't matter to us because it's not supposed to, right, for some reason, uh, part of it is just like credibility as a hunter, you know? Can I get it done? And and uh, you see those exact words, you know, I don't know if you follow Iowa uh, bow hunters uh, on, on yeah. Facebook, but mm-hmm. as those posts come in, guys will, will post a lot of times, you know, when they shoot something, I got it done today. You know, those words got it done. Um, it's like, whew, <laughs> you know, man card punched. I don't want to this to come across the wrong way at all, but you know, for, for a lot of us, um, my, myself in particular, I don't get to be competitive much anymore. In many ways, mm-hmm. I live vicarious through my son and playing baseball, maybe, and the occasional golf match, which I don't get to play enough anymore to be yep. good or to get, or you know, to get tore up if I don't play well. But like, I can compete against these deer, yeah, and uh, right. especially a little older deer and try to figure them out, yep. And, and it's you know, we use the meat as well. In fact, uh, we ate. We ate some deer meat um, last night, mm-hmm. but uh, like we want the meat for sure. But I also like spent a bunch of time and effort trying to figure deer out just to <laughs> be right. enjoy the the freedom that we have to hunt. That's right. And uh, not that you want to go just for sport by any means. We use every every deer that we kill, right? Or someone gets to use it. Uh, yep. Man, you you would. Well, maybe you do understand, and probably a lot of your audience does. You wouldn't believe the amount of people, because I'm I'm not a public. I wouldn't say a public figure by any means, but I'm you know I'm a pastor of a church. A lot of people mm-hmm. are around. You wouldn't believe how many people ask me for deer meat. They mm-hmm. they love it. They cra- you know people yeah. really want venison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so if I can. You know, if I'm done and our freezer is full, or even if it's not, <laughs> and I can share some with someone else, and they're not a yeah. hunter but they really enjoy venison, then hey, let's go get them a deer. I mean, yep. that's why they sell them these tags. Yep. And um, so it, it beats a lot of store bought stuff, you know. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's well said. That's we, a, that's we a great point. Own. We, we kid ourselves if we say, oh, I do it for the leanest meat on the earth and the healthiest. <laughs> uh, like, I love the Facebook things that, like, I'm hunting for the healthiest meat on earth. And then, you know, like, your pack's full of little Debbies and stuff like that. That's right. Yep. Uh, yep. Or to, or to say, you know, going out gro- God's grocery store and, and uh, you know, like, we, we joked and said, you know, if we priced venison by the pound with all the stuff that we buy <laughs> you know with, with like yes. 75 dollars a pound <laughs> that's right that's right uh well I we mean, have this just, um, just we have this ongoing 
I have this ongoing rant from picking bones episodes, and this is this has been talked about multiple times with uh, Nick Otto from Huntervor Podcast. Um, uh, like all these big uh, YouTube hunting channels, uh, they'll be like, "Yep, yeah, we're out here chasing elk in such and such a place," and you've been watching the videos right for for a year or something. You know they got an elk last year. And, uh, okay, we're just going to stop at the grocery store here, get a bunch of, uh, ground beef to, to eat here at the, uh, off the tailgate grill here while we're out here, uh, uh, chasing after, uh, this clean meat, chasing after this elk meat, right? You know, it's like the disconnect, man, of <laughs> where's all the elk meat you shot last year? You know, you got like 600 pounds of meat off that sucker. Where is it? You know, eat, eat it up fast, man. Eat it up fast. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it's always good talking with you, buddy. And, and, uh, man, we got, we got into some great stuff tonight. You're probably going to hear Noel again very soon. I'm hoping on a, uh, pick and bones episode. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to be down hunting in Noel's neck of the woods for too terribly long here. And, um, so hopefully we get to hear him live here. Uh, soon and uh excited for that always good to see see you and talk with you um big thank you to you listeners as well the listens have just been fantastic been seeing some new reviews been hearing from listeners man that is awesome i love hearing from you guys love um love you know just tracking that side of it if you haven't yet please leave a five-star review review on apple Podcasts or spotify what that does if i get enough of those the show will start to like trend on uh on either of those uh those apps you know be recommended to a wider audience and hopefully we can get some more people in here <clears throat> listening and weighing in on some of these uh, great conversations that you know really kind of define what what hunting is right now. And, uh, uh, you know, I think it's, these, these are the best conversations. The one, like what I enjoyed with, uh, Noel tonight where we just dove in and, uh, went after some things, but, uh, please, uh, I'll leave that. And of course a written review, that's very powerful as well. Uh, please leave one of those. I think you can only do those at Apple podcasts. I don't think you can on Spotify, but, but uh, if you've never done that before and you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you, you feel like the, the quality is there for a five-star review, please uh, leave that. that. That's super helpful, and it really is a, a nice gesture to, to myself and my co-hosts and my guests as well. So, uh, And then the other thing I want you to keep in mind is Spartan Forge. I have been using that thing so much. Caleb and I are going to lean on it so heavy when we go out uh, to Nebraska. Um we're we're uh we got our hunt plan done we'll talk about that here in a second um but um we we just lean on it so hard during whitetail season uh not just for the intel side like that that is absolutely very useful um i just saw a post from uh andy may who uh uh is part of the spartan forge team and uh, he talked about how he was thinking about not going out, but because he saw it was a full range day on Spartan Forge, he's like, you know what, I'm going to go out. Sure enough, shoots a buck. Um, th so that part is super valuable, but there's so many other things in there. The mapping, the LIDAR layer of the mapping where you can see literal deer trails and, and uh, you know, better idea of the topography of the land. 
all that is just fantastic. And then really my newest part of Spartan Forge that I'm geeking out over is the Blue Force Tracker. All of us have wanted to be able to see the same screen as what our hunting buddy is looking at. Not just sharing waypoints and be like, hey, can you uh, pull this waypoint up on your map? You want to be looking at the same thing. You want to see all the waypoints at the same time, where the stands are marked, where the cameras are marked, where the scrapes are at, where where the trails are, all that stuff. You want to be able to look at it all together real time. That is what the Blue Force Tracker allows for. Um, so get Spartan Forge. Go to the link in my show notes or in the uh, uh, link tree in my Instagram bio and uh, get on board with that. If you want just the mapping of the, the, the most basic function, you can get that for free for all 50 states. Um, but if you want to, um, and the landowner information for all 50 states, which is just killer. Um, but uh, if you want more than that, you can uh, uh, get a subscription, which I think for a year is fifty nine ninety nine. Again, that's all 50 states. You get all the deer behavior prediction. You get all the blue force tracker stuff, all the mapping layers, all that stuff for really quite a reasonable price. And, uh, or you can, uh, do the monthly subscription if you want to just get it for deer season, but scouting is a year round thing, right? Noel? And, uh, you're probably going to want to do that year long subscription. That's what I do. And you save money in the end too. And then, uh, East West hunts, as I said, Caleb and I just got off a call with, uh, Alex, uh, this past Saturday evening, going over our hunt plan for Nebraska, man, do I feel so much better about narrowing down uh, where we need to be looking. Um, just some great conversation there in a lot of great direction. We got our gear rentals lined up. Alex is the man. Go to eastwesthunts.com. Get your own hunt plans done there. Um, a huge part of that is your tag apps. There's all these different species and all these different places to chase them. But there's all kinds of rules around how you get a tag to do so. Alex takes care of that for you, sorts through all of that terrible paperwork and helps you know what you need, when you need it. And then once you draw, he sets up a plan that gives you much better odds, significantly raises your odds of filling that tag while you're there. So go to eastwesthunts.com. Uh, book the service with Alex after you do the free consultation and tell him that you heard about it here on the First Gen Hunter podcast, and you'll save 10% off that uh, any service uh, through Alex. So uh, be sure you do that. And then finally, you shoot a giant. Maybe you shoot, oh, let's say three booners in two years, and you need a great place, a great taxidermist to go that you know is going to give you world-class museum-quality work. Old Barn Taxidermy down in Fort Madison, Iowa. You can ship them your stuff um, uh, if you're not from Iowa or from the area. Uh, or if you are, it's worth the drive to go down there. You're driving right through the heart of giant whitetail country, too. So it's always a fun time, you know, on your way there, just looking out what's out in the field edges and everything else. Um, but go there. They do over 500 shoulder mounts a year. That's just whitetails. Um, they do mule deer, they do, I mean, anything elk, I'm sure they do moose, um, bears. Uh, there always seems to be a mountain lion or two there when I'm there, tons of turkeys, fish, all of it is done at old barn taxidermy. Sam Gaylord, the, uh, owner founder of old barn taxidermy has been doing it for, I believe right around 40 years now. And, uh, he's just, he's just the best in the business. He's, he is the guy. 
And uh, so if you go there, be sure you tell them that the First Gen Hunter podcast sent you. That really helps me out as well. Well, thank you again, Noel. Thank you to everyone else for tuning in. Until next time, everybody, take care and take someone hunting.